fear, worry, anxiety. Does this sound like 2020? Or does this sound like your life? Have you ever considered that we have been trained to emulate the behavior that exacerbates anxiety? Or ever consider where it originates or what is its purpose? If you haven't, we have. And you are about to get the down low on the different types of anxiety and ways to work through it as it comes. Before we get into it, I wanted to give you a few updates about where we have been over the past couple months. I feel a lot of people's energies being turned toward the upcoming election and maybe uncertainty about the world. And we've kind of felt that pull away from self-development, but we know you're out there and we know you're doing the best that you can. And we have also been busy on the down low doing our thing where we have been recording the My Personal Journey episodes, which we've already released four of them and we hope that you've enjoyed them. And we know that you've been salivating for some new, wise, wise, original material. And so we're back to these original episodes, but there will be more My Personal Journey episodes in the future to come. We're also doing the live Q&As about every four weeks whenever we feel that demand build up. So look out for when we will be announcing those. And we have been working on a lot of new things to come out. And when this episode is released, I believe we should have a release coming up for Alexander's new website. So look out for that. I want to also mention to continue sharing the podcast. Really appreciate it. Our numbers have been the highest they've ever been. Leaving reviews on iTunes is the best way to help us out. And of course, subscribing to our patron to help us out monetarily for just $5 a month. You can get access to our behind-the-scenes content that we've accumulated throughout the last almost three years. And with that, I want to give a shout-out to our newest member of our patron, Elizabeth Cosentino. Thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. But now, let's relax and let's journey. Uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. Feels good to be back in the studio. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's been a little while. We've taken a break to record some testimonials from people who have utilized this philosophy to benefit their lives, and that's been an awesome experience for us. It really has. Yes, hearing people's feedback about how they have utilized the philosophy and I think it's helped a lot of people uh, to relate, and so. But it's nice to, to kind of be back in this. We still are going to sprinkle those in from time to time, but um, it's nice to lay down some some info today. So, if you are interested in those, go back the last four or five episodes, and they are the my personal journey episodes. So, if you want to listen and hear people's experiences, as well as us chime in to clarify and bring in the philosophy more and explain it, go check those out. But today we are going to touch upon anxiety. This is something that probably has touched everybody's lives from time to time and the different types of anxiety and what we could potentially do to uh, help ourselves out when we are experiencing things like this. Yes. And I'm going to be sharing some of my personal experience of when I went through my healing crisis about 13 years ago and how I had to learn to make love with that friction. At the time, uh, it was through the expression of frustration and extreme chest pain um, for over five years. So, And connecting that to um, 
different levels of anxiety, and that's what I'm interested in sharing today is just uh, some different views and, and viewing anxiety kind of the way we do love, that there's there's different styles and different variations, and it can be so confusing talking to others um, sometimes about their experience because it can sound like they just have a completely different experience. So, so hopefully we're going to cover a wider range of different types of anxiety as well. So why don't we jump in with covering the different types that you wanted to share um, because you you have mentioned to me in the past that there is more of like a, a cyclical uh, anxiety that can come in when we've had trauma and then when that time starts to come around in the year, um, we c- it could just revisit us without us even, you know, consciously thinking about it, right? Right, right. yeah. So, so I kind of want to keep it to mainly around two different types and one is self-created self-created anxiety that builds from worry or a consistent action of worry and I wanted to chime in here that uh, you know worry is one display of an energy and sexual expression and creativity is connected to that worry energy so so keeping those three kind of connected um, as we talk about this, uh, may may assist as well. And so there's the self-generated type of anxiety, and then there's environmental anxiety. And that can involve subtle energies, like some people are, are uh, extra sensitive or empathic uh, to their energetic field. So if something so-called negative has happened in a certain space, they can start to feel anxiety from the space. It can be cyclic from a trauma that a person has gone through uh, themselves in, say, a year or two or three years ago. So I like to suggest to people, or even longer, to, to work with those traumas and the dates and time frames to help you to map out these potential spots to where you carry these extra sensitivities. And so those are the two main approaches that we'll be looking at is, are we creating this anxiety by our thought patterns or is it something environmental or cyclic that's coming in? Uh, Basically in the environmental and cyclic, many times there's something that has been brought up to the surface that's ready to be released and in the self-generated type of anxiety, uh, you're really part of the, the draining of the energy or the, the so-called part of the beginning of the problem, maybe. So it's two very kind of different approaches uh, as we kind of go through sharing this, and hopefully this will shed some light uh, for some people. So just to clarify, when you talk about the cyclical anxiety that can arise, is it when you do feel that is it always uh or would you say that it is that it is that energy that needs to be released and that's why you're feeling it i wouldn't of course i never want to speak in absolutes but many times yes it is uh you know things happen to us cyclically or in in healing or wellness it takes a lot more time than most people uh, want to accept and I normally suggest people to look at seven years as a whole healing cycle. And I connect that to most all cells in our body regenerate. Not all cells regenerate, but most of the ones that do regenerate, they regenerate in seven-year cycles. So that's why I grab that to be kind of like a platform for true healing. And in my own experience, I have proved that to be the case for myself beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I'm not going to just say that it's that for everyone, but just to consider. So in that seven years, as you're going through visiting the birthdays or the birth of the event, um, that cyclic yearly cycle, it can bring things up at that time around emotionally around that experience that are looking to be released. And Anxiety is something that once we have a thought, sometimes then just everything's intensified. And for most people, it can be overwhelming. With me, 
I had to personally work with acceptance, and acceptance became a big part of my philosophy. And once again, acceptance doesn't mean condoning, but I had to learn to lean into that friction and kind of welcome it in rather than resisting it and wanting to push it away, not wanting to be part of it. And so for me, it was that accepting that this discomfort has just shown up and I'm going to give this the attention rather than being upset that it messed my plans up or that it's making me uncomfortable in a social situation. And I began to use it as my just a teacher that there's something in my environment or there's something that I've got on my mind that is not supporting my uh, wellness, that is taking me away from um, from staying at a higher vibration. And so when I can sit sit with it in that way and accept it, it begins to shift the way that it interacts with me. And then it became that it would come and go quicker. So I could have a so-called anxiety attack coming on, and then through acceptance it would move on like maybe within a couple of hours rather than lasting for a couple of days. So that's something that I want to share with people is that that your acceptance of these experiences that you go through on an emotional and mental and energetic level, the acceptance of it is very, very important because that stops the resistance. And everything that I have seen on this plane through my studies needs friction to grow. And so when we stop giving the friction and we learn to accept it, it normally moves through much quicker. And so now I'm visited by something like that maybe every few years. But I went through seven years of living with it almost every single day in situations that didn't stress me out, but I would take on an extreme amount of anxiety. And so I work with people that's been diagnosed with PTSD, and I feel that, you know, I experienced that as well. I just never got the diagnosis, so to say. But in my own verbiage, what that means is that our sensitivity goes to a level that we have no more of a barometer. So if for myself it was frustration, that if I allowed myself to be frustrated at all, it didn't have to be an extreme measure of frustration. Once you reach that level of that post-traumatic syndrome feeling, uh, you, you can't handle any of it. It's kind of like a, a nut allergy. There doesn't The child doesn't have to eat a whole bag of nuts. If anything just has a little bit of a nut in it, it can create a major health issue. And that's, I think, what we need to really realize and take that into the emotional uh, and energetic and mental levels, that once you reach a certain level of trauma, any amount is traumatic. And that's kind of the way everything amplifies during an anxiety attack. Everything is amplified and there's no more barometer. And so learning to accept that and accept that level of sensitivity and not view it as negative or bad or less than, it's a process and it is working towards wellness and healing. So when we talk about this one versus the uh, created one, is this created as well based on our response to an event that we cannot control? For instance, like in a, in a traumatic event, like somebody could be in a car accident and that could create this sort of anxiety trauma. And uh, could it be that based on how they reacted to that? I mean, obviously nobody can be perfect in any, any situation. Sure. But in reaction to how they handled that accident right after it, could be how that trauma is caused? Is that would, that, would you say that's correct? Well, I mean, we can perpetuate trauma by how we deal with it afterwards. But normally that, that there's, there's just a, there's a moment of, and what I, when I relate traumatic, it's something that the, the brain, the mind can't comprehend like what just happened. There's not a level of understanding to either to be able to relate. Um, 
to 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 truly get to that point of acceptance. It's a it's a it's a blockage there. So how that is dealt with afterwards can either perpetuate that or it can help it. And many times it is perpetuated because it is scary. And first of all, I want to show the utmost compassion for anyone going through any type of anxiety out there because it is terrifying. And I know that when I mention, you know, making friends with it or accepting it, you know, it can seem impossible. But the thing is, is that it becomes a practice in this overall philosophy. And we have what's called five pillars. And this is really where we learn to trust our our knowing and what we feel to be our truth. And so for me, you know, the first pillar is find the divine in the chaos of life. So I developed that one so that when I'm suffering and I feel like I can't see things clearly and I might be wanting to react emotionally, that for me, that's such a deep truth in me that if I remind myself that there is a divine order here and I'm suffering now because I don't understand where I fit into this divine order in this moment, but it will be shown and made clear. And in my own life, I can utilize past experiences to where that has been the case 100% of the time. So see, I built and designed the pillars to be that reminder. And then I can reflect back. And then that helps me with my, that anxiety to calm down, to, to bring it down. So whether we're talking about a trauma that has happened to us like the car wreck that you mentioned or perpetuated worry that turns into like anxiety. They can be approached similarly, but differently. And to realize that when we have cycles, most of the time it will be around that initial shock rather than necessarily how it was handled afterwards. But that can, you know, it can have some fluctuation as well. So, so I want to make sure that I'm answering your question well enough and not getting too far off the topic of that question. Yeah, it makes sense because if somebody was to face it and work on the acceptance right after the car accident for, you know, weeks versus somebody who just, you know, doesn't like that feeling and pushes it down, obviously those are two different things and one is going to perpetuate it longer than the one who's who's working, you know, on it on yes, a daily basis. And another point thing that I want to point out with one of the other pillars is every person in every situation in your life has the opportunity to teach you something. And so when you, when you're working on this anxiety, part of the acceptance is finding for me, the lesson in it. What can I learn here? So earlier Aaron and I was, were talking in a general conversation and I brought up, you know, somebody that might be afraid of flying but they're on the plane, they're getting ready to take off, and they're dealing with some anxiety. And normally that anxiety comes from a fear of death, like what if the plane crashes? So one way to work on acceptance with that is to work on, okay, well, what if I did die today? What have I not done? What, who have I not let know how I feel about them? And to use that for a check-in, that this is a point in time that I have recognized that there are people that I need to reach out to and there are some things I, I want to resolve and there's some things that I want to do. And so when we can use that energy, because that's what we're discussing here, thoughts are energy, but when we can use that energy to find a way to make us or help us to be a better person, then that by default helps to buffer that anxiety. And when you can get to a point in your life to where you do feel in every moment you have responded to everybody the way that you wanted to and you have completed all of the tasks that you want to uh, complete, there does become a whole different freedom in life and moving forward. And that's something I've been granted with personally. And that changes the way that I approach life very differently from most people. But death has taught me that, to, to be in that. Finding a way to use the energy of the anxiety outside of resisting it and redirecting it. You know, in the philosophy, we also have what's called the three R's, to recognize it, to show it respect, and then to redirect it. And that's kind of what we're exemplifying here is, is this has a lesson in it, and let me use this energy 
to dissect what the the lesson is and that burns that energy off and many times will bring some relief. Yeah, and I, I, I do want to go back to that when we get into the, the well, I guess I keep saying in my head user-generated trauma. <laughs> I don't know why. That's kind of a computer term. Um, but I just did want to ask one more thing about the kind of cyclical stuff is uh, when you said map it out, would that kind of be like how we map out like Mercury retrograde where we're putting it on our calendar and it's just a reminder that as we get closer to that, that these types of feelings may come up without, you know, anything in our current time or current field of view uh, causing that and just to be aware of that healing. You know, different people approach things like this differently. And there are many people that uh, speak on manifestation in a way to say that you're part of creating that. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. That for me, awareness in my life gives me comfort. It doesn't mean that I'm creating it just because I have considered the possibility of it. Creating and manifesting with energy takes time duration. Uh, it's not necessarily just generated from visiting a vision. And so in visiting that vision, like I say, Mercury retrogrades are, you know, they are mapped out. And I do like knowing when that time is because it helps me to take life with like a grain of salt to realize that oh, I'm going to run into electrical issues and I'm going to be accepting of it. I'm, communication may break down, but I'm going to be accepting of it. So with me, being aware helps me with acceptance. I'm not saying that that's going to work for everyone. But yes, I'm in agreement that for me, I keep fresh in my mind where traumatic moments were in my life so that when they come up and around that time, I'm aware to my sensitivities changing and me being more potentially reactive rather than responsive. So awareness, once again, for me and my design helps me to carry comfort and if that doesn't bring comfort for some people and the help to accept and to work through things, then maybe they shouldn't map these these times out. But uh, there's more than likely a correlation with what they're experiencing in their lives and the events that have happened, you know, throughout their lives. There's a correlation there. So um, so me and this work, uh, it's is seen as very helpful to be aware of that and then for me to bring in the seven years and every year it has less and less of an effect and once again I've proved that beyond a shadow of doubt in my own world and with many clients that I've worked with but I'm not projecting that that's the you know the absolute fact with everyone okay so let's yeah let's get into the the um, self-created <laughs> type of anxiety, and maybe, maybe I mean, you gave the the airplane example, which I think is a really good example, and it's something that I actually personally would do in, in the um, in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some other kind of examples of, of that? Of like self-created yeah. anxiety. Yeah, I think you know anybody that's in school and is going to take a test or got an exam coming, you know, that, that pressure that society and, and we're taught to put on ourselves is a self-generating type of anxiety. And it has been, you know, proven in many different methods that, you know, a relaxed mind uh, is, is fresher and it can come up with answers easier. So, but we design for some reason our school systems to be in a very stressful type of way. It's almost a training and it does develop most people's lifestyle, uh, whatever, you know, they take that college um, kind of curriculum and, and way of go, go, go into their careers, and they just keep kind of going in that direction. So so self, you know, generated is just, um, anxiety is just basically judgments of the self. And when there's enough of those that have been accessed or experienced, then it can create an anxious feeling. So that self-perpetuating, we really don't realize many of us how much we are pulling our energy down 
by visiting these negative thoughts um, about ourselves over and over throughout our days. Yeah, just to go back and, and explain my experience about flying, my mother used to be afraid of flying, even though she's never flown, but she would just be afraid of it, so she would never do it. And then, so I decided one day that I would do it, and like, you know, days before, you know, as it came closer, I would, I would feel that anxiety in my chest. And I guess it's just the fear of the unknown, the fear of what I was told and trained that could happen. And, you know, the first, I would say, um, seven or eight times I've flown, I would always get that. And even being on the plane, um, just having that feeling of, like you said, kind of wearing down your adrenals and just completely exhausted after. Um, but then I started to realize that if I just accepted that I'm going to fly, I've made the decision. When you look at the numbers and go like fact-based, flying is way safer than driving. I mean, the amount of plane accidents for commercial flights is so low per year that it's almost like unreal. So when you get the facts and you look at it sober, you know, you realize that this is pretty safe. And so just taking that all in, it eventually, the more I accepted it, the more I would sit next to the window and look out and just really enjoy it. And when I would feel an anxiety attack coming on, because the more I like think about it, like I'm in a box in the sky and like (laughs) really high up. Like when you start to think about it, you can really get yourself going right. and you can, you can, yeah, you can definitely do that. But when you just accept it and say, my life is in this pilot's hands, I have accepted that by getting on this plane. And if today is my day, then it's my day. And yes, then we can bring up what you kind of uh, started talking about, which is, um, what would I be in fear of? And this is something that you brought in uh, when all this COVID stuff started happening, when I started having anxiety around that. Right. You kind of, I don't want to say yelled at me, but <laughs> you got stern, got stern and got my attention. And, you know, it really had an impact on me where you said, you know, what is it that you haven't done? Why are you, you know, afraid, afraid of, dying. of dying? And so when you make friends with dying, when you live your life more authentically, where you have no apologies for stuff maybe you know, you didn't do or didn't say to the people that you love, um, then I feel like you start to live a life with less anxiety in these certain situations. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you shared that because that was a big transition for me as well when um, I stepped out of the fear of it and embraced it, and that made me even want to be around or be comfortable around people that are transitioning. And there is a beauty to that process that unfortunately our culture, most people in our culture hasn't supported. So when those, you know, these types of anxiety attacks um, do come on, it's just a matter of finding a tool or a way to, to manage those energies and, we're always discussing the five different levels, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual. And like Aaron was just sharing a mental way that like for him, it's fact checking. And if there's enough facts here, then he can relax to a certain degree. For me, it was learning the lesson going into my emotional patterns and and traumas from my past and what is this perpetuating, this fear perpetuating so see, it, that's what I want everyone to get used to is knowing that you kind of have a default level that if you'll learn to go to that level and focus on it, and for some people it's spiritually, they'll just, they can pray about it and they can put their life in God's hands and work through it in that way. See, there's no right or wrong way. It's just being clear in what your language is and then learning to hone that tool to be able to work through. And for me, it was always, I want to get the lesson. I want to dissect this and see what of my past is holding me back from moving forward in my present. And so I began to look at it as a game. And I was taking the discomfort very serious, but after five years of it, I had proven that it wasn't it wasn't going to kill me or it would have already killed me. So 
now let me just make sure I'm learning as much as I possibly can. And it was through that, that acceptance and that ease of, okay, you just showed back up. So I'm going to allow you to be here as long as you need to be. I'm just not going to give you a lot of attention. I'm going to focus on why did you just come back up? And is this connected to something cyclic? Is it, you know, and that's kind of the dissecting that I would go through. So I call it burning the energy off. Uh, it shows up in a certain way to get your attention, but you don't have to stay focused on it in that way. You can simply say, thanks for the message. Now I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to burn it off in another way. And one of those five levels, almost everyone has a, a language that they really connect to. And we should play around and visit other other ways. People that are just spiritual may find some relief in a mental way of approaching it with facts and things like that. So so it's fun to also experiment when you're going through these, especially those of you that's been experiencing anxiety for many, many years, to, to literally try different methods and different approaches, but realizing that all five of those do have an approach. And that's what, once again, the pillars of the Just Philosophy was based out on what can I go to immediately to bring me back to center and whether it's finding the lesson in it or trusting and having faith that everything's in divine order. You know, one of the other ones is a polarity or duality. So I realize through the polarity view of life that I, there's going to be things that I don't like that I have to accept in order for the things that I do like to exist. So for for me, all of those, the other ones, everything's vibration and then emotional responsibility and accountability. So, so see, I can go to any five of those pillars and it normally resolves my anxiety or whatever the issue is very, very quickly, one of them. But if I start running through them all, kind of like a mantra, it it can annihilate them for me personally. And so that's why I made them such a, a big part of my work. And I think they've yet to be seen the beauty in them, um, the true beauty by a lot of people. And I think they're going to continue to be more and more useful to people as we expand on them. Can you give an example of your uh, looking for the lesson, like with maybe a self-created anxiety that you've experienced and how you've created it into be a game? Because this Aries is interested. <laughs> okay, beautiful. <laughs> so I'll take um, go way back to the beginning of this work when I was in my late 20s and I was in a pretty successful band and we had the opportunity to open up for uh, a very, very popular band in an outdoor amphitheater uh, venue. And there was going to be approximately 40,000 people there. So for the whole week before I was creating a lot of anxiety in my world of the what ifs and what if this happens. We were doing radio spots. There was busloads of people that were going down to to see us in in Charlotte, which is about um, an hour and a half, two hour drive. And so I was self perpetuating anxiety throughout that whole week of focusing on all the things that could go wrong. But the one thing that I didn't focus on was with the possibility of getting dropped from the bill. So on the day before the show that was going to be on a Friday, the Thursday before, I get a call and the lady doing the booking at the venue said she regretted to inform me, but the band that we were supposed to play with picked up a band the night before in Florida and was bringing them with them so they didn't need an opening act. We were that opening act. So at that point in time, my anxiety had reached a level of complete exhaustion. And then when I got this news that was almost incomprehensible to me because now I've got hundreds of people I've been boasting and advertising this and it's all been through me. I've been the contact. On top of that, I had taken my bass guitar in to get worked on. And when I went to pick it up later that Thursday afternoon, my car overheats on a 95-degree July day. And so I'm sitting out in 5 o'clock traffic with my car smoking, and I just go out into a field. 
and I sit down. And this was my introduction to learning to find the lesson in everything. And I started asking myself and paying attention to how I felt in that moment. And I felt worthless. I felt like there was no hope. Everything had been completely drained out of me. And I, I asked myself, what do I need to do to never feel this again? And I began to put together that I'm putting all of my happiness out into external things and for other people to hold their agreements for my happiness to be involved. And so right away, that was the initial lesson is never again will I put my happiness in something external's hands. And that was the beginning of all of this work. So from that point on, it become any situation to where I didn't get a um, result that I wanted. Right away, I began saying, okay, what is the lesson here and all of the variables that created this to make sure that I don't create this again in my life? And then I began to see that when we do learn the lesson, the lesson doesn't need to continue to show up in our life, but it will continue to show up in different costumes, so to say, different events until we get the lesson. And for me, I feel very strongly that a big part of my life path was getting past seeking external thrills and enjoyment for my life to feel complete. And that was the beginning of my inward journey and learning to work and develop all of this work that now we share on The Wise Wise about the just philosophy. And you talked about burning off the energy and, uh, and you brought up worry too. And so that made me think of our episode on creativity and how you've talked about any time you've experienced worry to immediately get up and move, go... Be you creative. Know, yeah, be creative. So can you touch upon where worry plays a role in this? Like anxiety is what perpetuated worry? Yes, it can be. And as I said, anxiety can come out of nowhere as well and you haven't been worrying about anything. And more than likely, that's something in the energetic or emotional field or something besides the physical. Our culture is taught to worry because from the beginning, we're taught about insurance. We're taught about, you know, saving for retirement. We're taught about you've got to choose your career. So everything is kind of presented to young people in a worry kind of fearful way. And that's very unfortunate. And I do feel like those energies are shifting and changing. But most people don't take the time to realize that thought is energy. And when we have worry energy, that is just showing us that we have energy that needs to be burned off in some way. When I suggest to go do something creative right away, as soon as you catch yourself worrying about something, creative, once again, the definition in this world is anything that is non-repetitious, anything that you don't normally do. It changes your energetic makeup. It brings you into the present moment. Doing something creative is something that that can bring you uh, to the present. And that can mean just literally getting up out of one chair and going to sit in an area of your home that you never sit in. And then take in the environment and bring in gratitude and appreciation for, wow, this view that I never, I never take the opportunity to utilize. See, that's burning off that worry energy in a more useful way. It showed up as worry as the messenger of, hey, if you don't find something to stimulate yourself, you're going to continue to drain energy in this way. So I do like, once again, to bring in the, the compatibility and the connection between worry energy, sexual energy, and creative energy. And normally somebody that's not experiencing creativity or they don't have a fulfilling sexual life they will be experiencing worry a good bit. But that doesn't have to stay that way. And then prolonged worry can turn into anxiety. And that's more of the self-inflicted that we're talking about. And what happens is we create patterns. Another thing that I wanted to mention connected to what you were saying earlier was people are empathic with emotions. And because your mother experienced that as a child, uh, Is your emotion center activated or non-activated? Open. 
Yes, yeah. it's open. So it's not only non-activated, but it's open. So it's the most vulnerable that anybody can be. So see, you that's a type of training that you could have went through and you were basically working through what had been passed down to you or that you had received just being in the environment and you were able to work through it. So that, in my opinion, is an example of where you were empathic, you had picked up this concern around this thing and then you chose to step into it lean into the friction and find a way to to manage it so that it wouldn't limit you in your life and that could have been established you know in your mother or other people in a traumatic way rather or it could have been passed down we pass down many of these so-called habits in our family lineage and it's not you know on purpose it's just that most of us uh, are greatly affected by our environment uh, that we're in at all times but especially from zero years old to seven and so so that's important to note that min, much of the anxiety that a lot of you may be carrying around uh, may be other people's stuff that you have empathically taken on and this process that we're talking about these different ways to process it is how to to move through it and and release it but to realize that um, it's not always yours and that doesn't mean that you should point fingers at who and it's their fault because we don't get into victimhood here. We just recognize it and then break the pattern and start utilizing tools of the just philosophy to break these patterns. Now, what about uh, anxiety by choice? or Like, not by choice, but like of choice, having so many choices or if you have to make a choice in life that seems... Uh, to be very important because it's going to dramatically change the direction of your life where you have two or three different choices. What about the anxiety and the worry about not choosing the correct choice or you know how your current choice is going to possibly direct your life in the future? Yes, many times this has once again helped to be mapped out in the human design and um, people with white wheel centers or heart centers as opposed to red uh, heart and will centers can sometimes handle those types of situations a little bit differently. To find a way, once again, to to realize that, A, for me, I'll pull on that everything's in divine order. So when I get overwhelmed with making a decision, I choose to look at it to get to a point where I feel that I can't make the wrong decision and that if I make a decision and it ends up not going in a direction that I want to be part of, then I make another decision. So I think that one pressure that people need to take off of themselves is that that whole every decision does change like the rest of your life. Although plenty of people can argue that that some decisions are that big, that they are life-changing. Normally it's not one single decision. It's a whole lot of decisions that is actually life-changing and that, yes, one decision can set your course. But the main thing I want to get across to people is that you always have you know, flexibility if you seek to have that in your life. So that discernment is what we're calling, talking about really is the ability to, to discern and make that decision and be comfortable with you know, what comes after I happen to feel that it's almost impossible, if not impossible, to make a decision that isn't divinely supported. That if you make the decision and it still may or may not work out. Like I said, I made the decision to open up for that big name band, but then the decision was made for me out of my hands that we weren't. So like somebody going to college uh, or a career decision or something like that, just because they decide, okay, I will go to this college. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to succeed there. That doesn't mean that everything's going to play out. So see, most people put so much pressure on themselves to make a decision because they haven't considered all the other variables that are involved for that still to be so-called successful, even after I make this one decision. So for me, it's a practice in seeing that Everything is relative and that really all I need to do is focus on this next step and that there's a whole lot of 
energies and things playing out that I can't foresee that I don't need to worry about or stress out about. I just need to focus on that next step. And that can sound oversimplifying to some listeners out there, but when you're in a case of anxiety, all you can make out is that next step. So the point is, is that if you get yourself worked up to that point of anxiety to make that decision, you're not likely to be able to carry the fortitude to move forward to make whatever that is successful that you're going into because you're going to be drained going into it. So the whole point is, is to notice that if you are stressing about something or you're bringing in self-perpetuated, what we're calling anxiety, that you're depleting your fuel so that even when you do make the decision, no matter which way, you're going to be exhausted to move forward. So just consider to try to make a discerning decision earlier when you still have fuel to make adjustments. My teacher taught it to me in a way where he said, sitting on the fence is the most exhausting place. Get your feet on the ground on one side or the other. But being on the fence is the most exhausting. And so he pushed me to make decisions. You can make another decision. You can correct that decision. Just make a decision, move forward. So I'm not suggesting people to just you know, uh, go willy-nilly in all their decision-making, but I am talking to those that do drag their feet, and you know who you are. Many people struggle with what you're talking about, and it is a practice in discernment to where, like, on the little things, really practice on making the decision quickly, like where to eat. But most of those people that struggle with these big decisions, they struggle with small decisions, too. So see, you can practice every day in your little decisions and go, oh, I can't decide between these three places. Okay, I'm going to pick one right now, and it's done. It's over. And then you're going to go, and then you're going to want to judge it. Well, what if the other place would have been better? And you just go, no, this is what I chose. You know, it's a practice. And, and that's where when we need to use everyday life examples to practice on the little things so when the big things do come up, we're able to utilize that practice. And what about some of the anxiety that people are feeling now around the direction of the world, the direction of uh, politics, things like that, our reality, what's going on? What about people who have anxiety about the state of the world and our future? Yes, because there is something to you know mass consciousness anxiety. And right now there's plenty of it here in the U.S. And everybody's worried about yeah the direction of the country and the leadership and that kind of thing. And so that's something to, to pay attention to as well. You can be caught up in just like the, the mass consciousness. So the more that you watch the news, the more that you listen to news, the more you read Facebook and Instagram posts, the, the more you're, you're absorbing of that. So once again, if you carry these sensitivities, then my suggestion is to not experience um, those reminders so much. There's nothing that we can do on that so-called mass scale, this is where an individual, you see that if enough individuals come together, we can change that mass consciousness. But the focus has to start with each individual. And normally the focus begins with detaching from the reminder and experiencing it over and over and over. I'm not suggesting you stick your head in the sand and not be up to date with worldly events, but I choose personally to only be evolved enough to be educated. And outside of that, I don't get into the debating and the arguing and that kind of thing because after my traumatic event, my field won't allow it. I don't, I don't have it anymore. I don't have that buffer. And I continue to strengthen it as every year goes on. But I'm realistic with that. Once again, how much are you willingly putting yourself into the crossfire, so to say. Start with that. Any of you that just feel overwhelmed with no matter where you turn, it seems to be overwhelming, and just know that you do have a choice. You have a choice to engage. You have a choice to allow other people to talk, but you don't have to receive it. You don't have to re- to be part of the conversation. You can maybe remove yourself physically. Say that you want to go for a walk. There's many different ways to buffer that. But I think that's a a first place to start for most people that are feeling overwhelmed is to start removing yourself from so much interaction with it. Yeah, I agree, because uh, if we're always going to the same place to to find out what's going on in the world, 
nothing's ever going to change. We're just entering into an echo chamber, especially if all of your friends on Facebook feel the way that you kind of view the world. Obviously, I uh, have had this experience in the past. And just because the things that you're reading and and everybody's talking about feel like truth to you, it doesn't mean that you have to place all of your energy into it. Right. Like, you know, withdrawing and uh, taking a more neutral approach, uh, to me, has helped me with my anxiety of the state of the world, that type of thing. That yes, because we all need to, like, um, take breaks and pass the baton, so to say. You know, there's, there's an ongoing war all the time, but we don't have to be active in it all the time. And I used to be way more opinionated before I went through my trauma and my healing experience. And now I'm not interested on being on the arguing front lines Uh, that's not where my strength is. My strength is in a different area, conserving my energy and being sure that I'm being the example that I can be for this way. And that's why we call it just another way. But I want to make sure that my energy is present to exemplify all of the principles of this work. And that means that I'm not on the front lines of the arguments and the uh, protesting or whatever is going on. And People let me know that that's still going on, and I see that it's going on. So that connects back with the pillar of polarity versus duality. See, I accept that there's got to be people that have a similar view to me, and then there's got to be people that have the exact opposite view. That's the way it's always been through all of time. Our choice of duality is when we try to fix the other person's way of thinking rather than just focusing the energy on being the example over here. And I think that that's what we're coming into is a time to where people are looking for more results rather than promises. And I think that's the, you know, the direction that we're going and even the energy that the millennials are bringing in. Uh, I think that that's going to uh, direct us in a way that, that it is going to come down to what is actually happening and results Um, as opposed to these just open-ended promises, as I said. All right, so in wrapping up, I feel like this is probably the most uh, important information, so I hate that we waited for the end, but when somebody is in that extreme anxiety, and I've had anxiety attacks where uh, you start to hyperventilate and you feel like you're going to die or pass out, what what type of... uh, guidance can you provide when somebody is in that when they've worked themselves up what can help them you know uh, one of the main things that comes to thought is the breath Um, really focusing on the breath and normally you'll be panting when you're at that level and for me it helped to bring in toning vocal toning and bring in sound because of the fifth pillar that everything is vibration um You know, I've studied to understand that any vibration can be shifted by implementing a stronger vibration and giving it enough time. So when I was in those points of of anxiety, I would just make noise. I would make it with my breathing. So vocal toning is just basically elongated vowel sounds. Just ooh, ah, voice cracks it's actually showing that you're releasing energy so let's see if one comes out in this long one See, I feel pretty relaxed now, and that was my tone for, like, grounding. And so I want everybody to, you know, just consider that, that if you can have that intellectual understanding that you're actually changing your vibration by creating a tone, and that if crying comes out of it, then allow it, because, see, the vibration can actually activate and release the emotion that may be coming up to the surface to be released, and... 
part of anxiety, once again, is that allowing it and working with it. And sometimes it's just bringing it up, making some sound can help that emotion come up and then release. And you may not have even have an intellectual connection to what it was about. Some of my anxiety attacks, I knew what it was connected to and I could find those patterns. And then sometimes I just had to accept that, no, I can't find the pattern here. I've just got to breathe through it and making tone just helped me to get a little bit closer to that that vibration because normally I would get it to a point where I can hear my heartbeat in my tone. And once I activated that, that I could I could take longer breaths and deeper breaths and I noticed that that would affect my heart rate. And so then I began to see that, yes, with these breaths and with this tone, I can help to slow down my heart rate. And with me, that's what helped to calm that anxiety down. So those are two of my favorite um, is the breath and using tone and sound with the breath. I like that. I mean, it makes sense because you're taking your mind off of whatever it's worrying about doing the, the sound. And then I don't know if users out there who have done the vocal toning before, but after you're done, if you take a breath in, it's so different. It's like you're breathing in that vibration that you just expelled and it just feels good. Yes, and one of the other part of the techniques is on your out breath and when you're making the tone, you just breathe out as slow as you possibly can. And then that's what creates that when that in-breath comes, you just want to like take in so much and the deep breath is what's needed because anxiety brings panting. And so the tone can help the mind stay focused on something while you're just taking that breath as as long and as slow as you possibly can and then to breathe in kind of just as slow to try to breathe in as slow as you just let it out and that's what begins to train the heart rate and it can begin to bring relief to these anxiety uh, type of symptoms i like that because you're adding a physical way maybe i mean you could probably say that's spiritual or even energetic um i'll offer one that's mental which is just one of the pillars, acceptance. When when I feel like I'm at that point where one may happen or I start to to feel it come on, the more I resist it, the more I'm like, no, no, this is not going to happen, the, the, the more it comes on. Okay. So I just am like, if this is going to happen, I trust that it, you it know everything will be okay. Right. And then it just kind of subsides because I, I yes. allow it. Yes, and that's so huge for you to share. And that's why acceptance is no small thing. People think they accept, but if you carry a resistance on any level, true acceptance is you accept it on all five of those levels. No, it's here physically. It's going to make me uncomfortable. Okay, I accept that. It's going to make me think negative thoughts. Okay, I accept that. You go through each level, the spiritual side. You know, is there a higher power? Is there, do I believe in angels and guides looking over me? You know, if you do and you practice that, then that's the time to practice it. You know, and then energetically, to realize that, no, this is something that I don't need to resist because if I resist it energetically, it's going to grow. It's going to to expand. So true acceptance is about going through all five of those levels and making sure that you're checking them off and going, yes, yes, yes. And that can be yet another exercise of how to work through the anxiety is by going through each one of those levels. And again, I'll call them out physical, mental, emotional, energetic and spiritual or religious so those are the five levels of overall well-being that we discuss continuously throughout this whole philosophy yeah i feel like we could also bring the pillars in the five pillars so you're going through the five levels to make sure that you're checking your anxiety on those but also bringing in the five pillars to help you check them remind you yeah because i also feel like the mental one that i brought up uh with acceptance is also partly everything is divine order because you're trusting that if you're supposed to pass out, then you'll pass out. Right. right. But, and, but you're not going to resist it. You're just allowing. And that is a big connection to the spiritual level because it is true faith and trust. And, uh, you know, everyone um, somewhere needs some types of faith or hope. And because there are things we experience outside of the physical realm here, here that can't always be explained. And I've been through a tremendous amount of those. And and that's why that, that spiritual realm or religious realm is so important. But so are all of all five of those. 
uh, in my opinion, equally important. Well, cool. I hope this episode uh, goes to help people who are struggling with anxiety. But, you know, if you are out there and you feel lost in your life and you need more guidance, you know, you can hit up Alexander for a private consultation or even to learn more about your human design makeup and your destiny cards to maybe learn, you know, why you're experiencing things the way you are. Although we've talked to very general you know, here on the podcast, that's what we have to do on this platform. But the philosophy and the tools that we use are to specifically help you get very specific with your specific design and how to move through which of these exercises may be more helpful in different techniques. Um, so, so yeah, reach out if you feel drawn to. Appreciate you guys. Stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, 
Gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings, as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T. P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y dot com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com. V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L dot com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.